If you've been paying attention the last few years, you've probably heard all the buzz about grit and how scientists have shown it to be one of the top indicators of whether or not someone would be successful. I mean, even the Navy SEALs rely on this type of data to select those who they feel would be most likely to succeed through SEAL training. Maybe you've read the Angela Duckworth book, or maybe even taken her grit scale just to see how gritty you are. Through my conversations with college coaches across all levels, as recruiting director with Tribe Volleyball, I hear over and over how grit is something that college coaches look for when they are recruiting their student-athletes. And yet, it's surprising to me how difficult it is for most coaches to identify what that actually looks like in someone or how it shows up on the volleyball court. If you're anything like me, I keep coming back to the question of what exactly is grit and how does it show up, and more importantly, how can it be trained for those who don't have it and strengthened for those who do. In today's episode, I have the opportunity to talk with Susan Forbes at Hey Susan K. She has some tools she wants to discuss and has even created a framework to help identify the steps it takes to become a more gritty person. You might want to take notes and check out the show notes at the bottom for more details. Let's go. This is Down the Line, and my name is Brett Sikora. I have been coaching volleyball for 20 years at every level possible, from the college level to high school and club and even middle school. I am the recruiting director for Tribe Volleyball, and I have helped over 100 athletes achieve their goal of playing volleyball in college. The recruiting process is fairly complex, and each recruiting journey is unique. I use my experience, combined with advice from college volleyball players, even college coaches and recruiting experts, to help you navigate your recruiting journey. My goal is to provide you with actionable items to help make your journey a more efficient process. I hope you stick around to the end of the episode to hear more about the steps you can take towards making your goal of playing volleyball in college a reality. Susan, thank you so much for joining me today. For those of you who don't know, could you introduce yourself and what you do and your background of how we're getting to have this awesome conversation today? Yeah, awesome. First of all, thank you for having me on. It's such an awesome opportunity and so fun to always be connecting with people in the volleyball community. It's a great space. And I always find that everybody is so chill and so wonderful. So I'm super happy to be here. My name is Susan Forbes, and I was a competitive volleyball player. I played at the D1 level, went to the NCAA tournament. Most of the years I played with my team and was very fascinated by my athletic experience post-playing. And ended up getting a master's degree in student development and higher education and kind of explore that curiosity a little bit more. Um, I was always interested in mindset stuff. Became a college coach at the D3 level right after getting my master's degree. Took some time off to have kids. Dabbled in the recruiting side of volleyball a little bit. And then most recently found the frameworks and the models of life coaching. And decided that I think that athletes and college coaches need to hear this. And it's incredibly beneficial work. And I saw the impact in my life. And I've seen it in the lives of my student athletes that I work with. And so that's why I'm here doing what I'm doing. I have a big athletic experience and a big background in student development, higher education. And I'm pairing that with a lot of mental health and mindset work and just seeing where it leads. That is awesome. And I love that we've talked and have so many things in common that we've done in our background. And one of them that keeps popping up is our love for helping college athletes and helping young athletes get where they need to go and be successful. You mentioned that interview with Paula that I did, um, the last one, she was a libero at Indiana. 
and previously at Florida. And she had mentioned in there about how she had went and saw like sports psych. And I know that's not exactly what you do, but like when you say life coaching, what are some things that you do like when you're working with college coaches and college players to help them be better at what they're doing? Yeah, that's a great question. Because when you say life coaching, it feels very like, whoa, (laughs) what exactly is it? And why would I want to work with a life coach? Basically, what I do is I help people uncover how their thinking and their current mindset leads to the results that they're getting in their life. So if you are trying to achieve a goal and you're finding that you're coming up short over and over again, then we just start to peel back the onion layers and figure out what are the beliefs or what is what are you thinking or believing about your ability to get the goal, about the goal itself, or on the other end, just also helping you feel better in the process of reaching your goal, which helps you obtain the goal as well. Life coaching is different in therapy where like you might go see a therapist to understand more about where you got to be today, kind of dig up some of that past and maybe want to heal some of that past. Life coaching is here's where you are today. Here's where you want to go. And it's coaching and feedback into helping you close the gap. And a lot of that has to do with the mental thinking. It's also the action you're taking. And it's like how a college coach gives you feedback on your skills. I'm giving you feedback on your thinking and and what you're doing on a daily process. That's either making that result more or less possible for you. So you're basically helping coach them on their mental side of things, on meeting their goals, trying to help them accomplish things. Because I think anytime you can help people get from point A to point B more efficiently, whether that be at a skills level or a goals, mental or physical, like how could you teach younger athletes that as like in their toolbox for as they're growing, basically giving them the tools before they really need it. Because at college level, the mental side of it is a grind. That's something I keep hearing over and over again in these interviews is that college volleyball is hard. College sports are hard. So how could you help young athletes build that skill set to be able to move more efficiently with their goals like you're doing with the college athletes? Yeah. So a big part of my work is teaching people how results are created. If you want to step it back, results are created through the action you take. And so we could look at the action you're taking. We could then look at the feelings that are creating that ability to take the action. So if you think about when you're motivated, what's the action that you take when you're feeling motivated? It's going to be more likely to bring you to the goal versus if you're pissed off or unmotivated or feeling depressed or sad. And the biggest thing is that our thoughts are what create our feelings. And that to me was like the most mind-blowing thing about stepping into this line of work is that it's our thoughts that create our feelings. And a lot of times we think that our circumstances are responsible for how we're feeling. And and if we want to use the example of playing time, I'm not playing as a college athlete. Therefore, I'm upset about that. And I'm trying to manage my thinking around being upset about it rather than getting to the root cause, which is causing that, which I have thoughts about the fact that I'm not playing. And so it's empowering people. It's getting people to the point where they start to understand that it's not what's happening to them that's making them how they feel. It's actually how they're choosing to think about it that's making them how they contributing to how they feel. And then they're taking actions based off that. 
So any result you want to create, you can just trace it back to what are the facts of the circumstance and what am I choosing to think about that? And the crazy and most empowering thing is we can choose to think and believe whatever we want. And so I know this is a recruiting podcast and I have helped athletes get recruited with this mindset work, but it would be, okay, you want to go and play in college and maybe your current circumstance is you're not hearing back from college coaches. If you're choosing to think that means that you suck or you're not good enough or, or nobody wants me, that's going to make you feel crappy. <laughs> so you're going to be less likely mm-hmm. to take all the action that you need to be taking to get recruited, like sending emails, creating a highlight film, trying to have conversations with college coaches, going to camps where college coaches are because you're having the thought, I'm not good enough. Nobody wants me. Versus if we just say, okay, nobody's gotten back to you. When was the last time somebody got back to you? And they're like, oh, it was three weeks ago. Okay, so you haven't heard anything for three weeks. That would be like the fact of the situation. You get to choose how you want to feel about that. You could choose to focus on the fact that you heard from somebody three weeks ago. And we could look at actually all the progress that you've made and choose to believe it's working based on the evidence there. Or we could just choose to be like, I haven't heard from anybody in three weeks and it doesn't have to mean anything about me or why I'm as an athlete or what I'm doing and how valuable I can be to future programs. So it's helping people uncover that thinking that they may may or may not know is literally the elevator music to their life. And it's determining what they're doing and what they're not doing to help them reach their goals. So we start to notice the elevator music. Oh, what station is this? I had no idea they were playing jazz in the elevator. And it's, do you like jazz? Is jazz helping you feel amazing? And if jazz stinks and you hate listening to it, then let's change the station and give you something that you like listening to so that when you're in the elevator, you feel really good and you want to do things. The elevator's a bad example, I guess, because there's no goal involved. I help people uncover what it is that they're thinking and change the channel to something that helps them and that they want to be thinking and that helps them feel a lot better because then they're going to take more action when they feel better. Wow. There was was a lot there to uncover. And as I was taking notes, things I like that made me think of were like mental toughness and how you respond to situations, whether it be in games or like roles on a team, starter versus non-starter. And on the college side of it, when things get so bad that kids have to go in the transfer portal, like things that can be action taken before it gets to that point, overcoming obstacles, perseverance. And then what you're really boiling down to is like you're helping people in a way get to grit. Is that kind of all in the same bubble? Grit, I think, is like being resilient to your to your circumstances. And I know we chatted about this too. And that's hot button topic when you're talking with college coaches. They're looking for the gritty players. And I heard that at the two qualifiers I was able to be at this spring. And I started to think, what is grit exactly? And I understand why you're looking for it, but it just seemed like grit can be defined by different people depending on what their perspective is. And just what is it really? So I found this definition and it was defined as grit is a personality trait possessed by individuals who demonstrate passion and perseverance toward a goal despite being confronted by significant obstacles and distractions. And then it goes on to say that those who possess grit are able to self-regulate and postpone their need for positive reinforcement while working diligently on a task. So 
I was like, yeah, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to need positive reinforcement and postpone the need for that and continue to work diligently on a task and overcome significant obstacles and distractions? That's great. But then I was like, wow, that's a lovely concept. But how do we teach that to our athletes? And and how do we make it more tangible? Because to me, again, that's just like this lovely thing that's out in the sky. I had like an aha moment in If we can learn to manage our thinking in terms of the circumstances that come our way, and this is where I was able to pair that life coaching work, if I'm in charge of how I think and I get to choose the thoughts that I want to believe are true, then any circumstance that comes my way, I have complete control over I want to respond to it, and that's pretty. And then when I have complete control over how I want to respond, I'm actually able to show up to continue to pursue and persevere in the goals that I'm after. So there was something you said in there in your definition that I loved of being able to delay gratification while you're going through tough times. And that really goes into how you learn things. You learn things by challenging yourself, by failing, by moving forward. I am a huge fan of Trevor Reagan and like the growth mindset and like his, the learner lab. Is, mm-hmm. I do a lot of learning from the learning lab. How perfect. Um, And grit is like something that a lot of people don't understand. Like you Mm -hmm. said, it was a personality trait in that definition. And do you feel that it is something that people are either born with or they're not? Or is that something that they can grow and develop? I think 100% it can be grown and developed. That was my thing about this definition is I'm like personality trait. Like I actually then looked up personality trait. Which, which the definition for that was something like behaviors that you consistently do and are known for become part of your personality. So no, I believe it's a skill, 100%. And it's a skill of learning how to respond to your circumstances and overcome obstacles and manage your mind and choose to think about things in a way that are going to help you to achieve the goal. Okay. So if you said it's something they can learn and grow in the process of you've been a college athlete and obviously everything to get there, you weren't perfect all the time in every skill, everything you attempted. And especially playing at a team that makes the NCAA tournament year after year, like in your gym, you're not perfect all the time. You're going against other great players. So whether that be from high school, club, training, what are things that athletes can do to develop grit? Because ultimately, we want them to have it. And not everybody's born with it and that everybody has the same, like the early life that may give some people an advantage because they have to be gritty earlier because that's their situation for some people that don't have those reasons to develop it. What are some things that we can do to help athletes grow that grit earlier in the process? Yeah, yeah definitely. There's a, two tools I think that are really helpful if you're wanting to become more gritty. And the first thing is just learning to recognize your thinking. Because again, ultimately, whatever you're choosing to think is going to lead to how you feel. And then that's going to create your actions. But if you're not aware of what you're thinking, then you're not even going to realize that it's creating results for you that you, you may not like. Or, or if you're wanting to be more resilient to coach feedback or to times that you lost a drill or to a college coach telling they don't have room on their roster, then the best thing you can do is start to learn to identify your thinking and get to know what's going on in your head 
because you can't change it if you don't understand. You don't have a starting point for it. One of the best things I do with my clients is we do thought downloads. And that's something that if I find I'm in my head a lot or I'm frustrated or I'm not feeling great, <laughs> and you can do this when you feel great too, but it's a great tool either way. But a thought download is just taking the time to, if you have something that's bugging you, to write down literally every single thought that you have about it and flush it all out. And one of the biggest key things to do when you're doing this is to not judge yourself for what you're writing down. They're all just thoughts. And if they're in your head, then they deserve to be let out on paper. And there's a huge relief in letting them out on paper. And then once they're on paper, you can just look at them for what they are. And all they are is just sentences in our brain. They hold no weight and no merit unless we allow them to, or we start to believe that they're true, or we start to believe that they mean something about us. And so then when you're in the thought download, then the other thing that's um, a valuable tool, which is the other tool I wanted to share, is starting to notice which thoughts are facts and which thoughts are just thinking or your your perception of the facts. Earlier, I used the example of an athlete that might be telling herself, no college coaches are getting back to me. And that might be a thought you have. You can go deeper with that thought and be like, was that really true? And in my example, it wasn't true because she heard from a college coach three weeks ago. It had just been three weeks up to the point that she was feeling frustrating. And so you want to go through and you want to highlight what's true and what's a fact. And another way to identify a fact is, could you prove this in a court of law? Could multiple people agree on the fact that this is what happened um, regarding your inbox for recruiting? Would mom and dad, and if you brought it to a judge and they said, Susan's claiming that she's not getting recruited, what evidence do we have to the contrary? And that was, you know, provable, then that's how you know that you have a fact. And the other thing about facts and these circumstances in our life is that those are all completely neutral as well. An athlete that might, you know, be um, under-recruited or borderline good enough to play in college might be thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so excited that somebody got back to me three weeks ago. And they're stoked about that and they're using that to fuel them, yet another athlete over here is depressed about the fact that they haven't heard from a college coach in three weeks. So the facts are always neutral and we get to choose how we want to think about them. And so when you do a thought download, you get to dump out everything in your head as to what's going on around your circumstances, your challenges, your goals. And then you also have the opportunity to see how much of this is factual. And if there's not a lot of facts on the page, then I would encourage my clients to find the facts of the situation so that they can see this is exactly what's happening. And what I just put on paper are just my thoughts about it. Some of them aren't even true, but you might be choosing to believe they're true. You might be choosing to believe that you're not good enough because a college coach hasn't emailed you back in three weeks. And that's just not true. I'm sure you could have multiple people that would tell you the opposite. That is a, a great start with learning to recognize your thinking and then figuring out which thoughts are facts, which ones are perceptions. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you, de you decide how you think and then how you think is what leads to how you feel. Mm -hmm. So you can basically control your feeling of a given situation by how you think about it. And that's like game changing, like in terms of 
just the recruiting process, training, skill acquisition, performance in matches, how you react with teammates, how can they get better at grit? So how can we use these tools in as many aspects as possible? Because obviously grit, just like any skill, the more you practice at it, the more you challenge yourself, the better you can get. Mm -hmm. So what are other ways that athletes, whether it be college, high school, club, coaches even, how can we practice the, the skill to be better at grit in our given situations? Yeah, that's a great question. So as I was asking myself, what exactly is grit? I actually came up with a model for it so we could think about it in terms of like steps. And so if you're going to think of grit in like G-R-I-T, the first thing is get to know the facts. The second thing are is realize what you're thinking. I is identify your feeling. Identify the feeling that thought is creating. So if you also want to practice getting gritty, you also need to be recognizing how you're feeling. And then the T is take inventory of your action and the result it's creating. So that's the grit. That's the model. That's the tool that you can use to walk yourself through. Hey, I'm feeling frustrated and I'm not playing. How can I walk myself backwards to find out what's causing that? But also you can put anything you want on the T line, any, whatever you want to go after, whatever you want to achieve, what are you going to have to be thinking and feeling and doing in order to achieve that? And and that process can be reversed. And I think, too, something where we go wrong in developing grit in our athletes is that it's a persevere and pursue at all costs. And that the grittiest athletes are working themselves to the bones and they're relatively unaffected by how tired they are or, or by how much hard work they're giving because, because they're pursuing their goal with so much tenacity. And I would actually argue that's actually not what we want. The part of being gritty is identifying your feeling for a few reasons. And the first being that once you identify that feeling, you can begin to process it. If we don't process our feelings, then we're usually trying to cover them or buffer them with other things. If you think about like a beach ball in a pool, if you're feeling, maybe you haven't heard from a college coach in three weeks and you're feeling upset about that and you're going like, it's okay, I'm just going to keep going push the beach ball down. I'm going to send another email, push it down. I'm going to show up to practice, even though deep down, I don't think I'm good enough. Push it down. It's going to pop up at some point because we haven't actually dealt with the fact that I'm not feeling good enough. And so when it pops up, it might pop up at a tournament where you make an error and that just affirms your whole thought about why you're not good enough. Or if we don't deal with it, then eventually it's going to it's gonna pop up. We're going to have to deal with it later. And so part of dealing with it is just identifying it and naming it and saying, okay, I'm feeling not enough right now. And letting that beach ball be in your pool of going after your, your dream of playing college volleyball, there's actually nothing wrong with it. You can still swim in the pool and have beach balls all over your pool. You're just recognizing it and going, okay, this is just a feeling. I just am feeling like I'm not enough. That doesn't actually mean I'm not enough. And the other thing with a feeling is, is they come and go. I think we're afraid sometimes that if we think, okay, I'm feeling not enough. What does that feel like in my body? What is that? What is the vibration? Taking the time to process it. And, and we can talk more about that as well, processing feelings. But um, we're oftentimes afraid that if we take the time to feel it, it's going to ruin us or it's going to be too much or it's going to lead to us then 
not being motivated. But I would argue that the opposite's true because now you're just allowing it to be there. And you're knowing that even though I'm feeling like I'm not enough, that doesn't mean it's true. And I can keep going even though I, I have this feeling right now, like in this moment in today. It's pretty rare if an athlete or person in general is feeling a feeling for 24 hours out of the day. <laughs> if you think about grief, mm -hmm. really strong feeling, people will say that it comes in waves and we're just, we're not built to continually feel things over and over again, yet we're afraid to feel things. And so I think getting gritty is embracing those feelings and knowing how to process them and being okay with swimming, with having those feelings swimming in their pool versus trying to push them down, buffer them or cover them with more achievement. Because what they'll probably find as well is those beach balls will pop up at very inopportune times. And then it becomes the self-fulfilling prophecy of, I wasn't feeling like I'm good enough. And now I have this meltdown, thus confirming the fact of, I don't feel I'm good enough. And that proves I'm not good enough. And thus creating that cycle that exactly. makes it hard to dig out of. Exactly. Yeah. The worst thing that can ever happen to you is a negative emotion. That is the worst thing that can ever happen to you in life is that you experience the feeling of not being enough. You experience the feeling of grief. You experience the feeling of sadness, of anger. Like Those are the worst things that can ever happen to you in life. And they're just a part of life. They never go away despite what you do and what you achieve. And so if you can just learn to, to normalize them, to process them, then really anything's possible because I'm not afraid of how it's going to make me feel not afraid of how it makes you feel. Mm -hmm. That is something I just spent the day at a mental health training, mm -hmm. a district mandate, super interesting. And that keeps coming up in athletics, everything. It's the ability to handle the feelings that come their way that through COVID, before COVID, now with COVID, things got a lot more sheltered. And studies are showing that students and thus because our athletes are also students our student athletes are having a harder time processing those feelings and understanding that that's not who they are they right. get to feel how they want to about a certain situation about they control their thoughts control how they feel and they're not great at that they put that as their self-worth on that thought that emotion the the error that happens something somebody says and that is something that I think is having an effect on our student athletes now in club and in high school, but also at the college level too, mm -hmm. your playing time, your role, you're not playing. And this dealing with recruiting, with mm -hmm. college athletics, most people, unless you're special, are not going to play much your freshman year. Right. So going from being that all-star in club, that the great player on the court all the time, to having a backup role, mm -hmm. that's that can be a major change that a lot of people have a hard time dealing with. Mm -hmm. So how would like that kind of situation, how could we help those people that are going to be going into a new role? Like, and it's likely saying, hey, you're probably not going to play for maybe two, three semesters before you really start to get it. How do we help prepare them for the, the mental grind, for the mental aspect to basically get them more gritty? Yeah, I think that goes back to just teaching them that however they choose to think about that is going to determine how they feel in those moments. So it's giving them the um, the practice and the pathway to learn how to do that in high school, to, to learn, you know, that circumstances are neutral and that all their thoughts are a choice. So that then when they get to college, this has already been something that's practiced and not even 
what can be practiced in life. It doesn't even have to necessarily be like a a competition thing. But once you start to take ownership of that, it, it becomes very empowering because you start to realize that your feelings are created by you and that at any point you can choose to change how you want to think and you can change that feeling. But before we do that, before I do that, I always work with my clients to process that feeling so that we're now not covering up that feeling of maybe the athlete's embarrassed that they were a star player and now they're not getting the playing time they want in college. Maybe there's shame. Maybe there's frustration. It would be identifying that feeling and just becoming aware of it and and letting them process through that. And the question of like, how do we prepare them for that? Part of that work is just empowering them that you get to choose how you want to feel. And that's up to nobody but you. And you do that by choosing to believe certain thoughts are true over other thoughts. And sometimes that's not necessarily what people want to hear. <laughs> sometimes it's like, no, it's my coach's fault. Or I shouldn't have chose this school. Or you come with all these excuses. But it's actually the best news ever. Because that means that I'm now no longer allowing the fact that I'm not playing to have power over me in what in my experience of who I want to be as a teammate on this team, as an athlete, who I want to be in college. I'm empowered now to take ownership. My experience is what I make of it. And nothing has the power to make or break that. And helping people step into that and feel the empowerment of it versus the frustration of it is, is something that I work on with my clients. But overall, once you start to see it, it's you, you can't go back because you start to realize that you're in control. And, and that's the most amazing thing that I can do for my clients. And I think that that we can do for athletes, preparing them for what they're signing up for at the next level, because as you've touched on, as I know from my experience, I'm sure your experience, also coaching athletes, the challenges are constantly coming at the next level. They're numerous and nuanced, and there, there's so many things that make that where your circumstances change. I talked about your circumstances are neutral, but it makes sense to me why student athletes and even freshman student athletes have such a hard time adjusting to that because We've taken everything they know to be true about how they achieve goals and the support they have in that and who they are. And we've completely taken all those circumstances away and they're dealt with a whole new set of circumstances, a whole new set of parameters in their life that they've never experienced before. They've never worked with these coaches before. They've never had the teammates that they have. They're possibly not near the people who helped them and were alongside them in their process of getting this big goal. And so they're in this moment where they have to figure it out for themselves. And depending on how supportive their teammates are or their coaches are, sometimes that can be a very lonely experience and, and lonely thing. But I would just encourage them. And when I work with them, it's like, you get to choose how you want to feel in this moment. And on some runs, they'll be really overt on themselves too. But it makes sense. Like they want me to buy into the fact that they should be upset that they're not playing, but you can flip it at any time and be like, there are some athletes out there that would just be so stoked to have that jersey on their back that they wouldn't even care that they're not playing. So that's how you're choosing to think about it. Because the situation is the same, the athletes mm -hmm. on the team not playing, it's how are you viewing that? How are you choosing to think yeah. of it? And in talks with the girls that we go through the recruiting process with, 
I, I tell them that, and it, we found that you know, for most athletes, the ones that at some point in their high school career or club career that have to be the third outside hitter, right? The backup setter, the second DS, the third middle, the one that the, either you're not on the court all the time. So you get practice of being happy and being okay with yourself, mm -hmm. being a great teammate and finding ways to still be great in your role while working hard to improve it and change it and to get more playing time. The girls that are given the opportunities to just get better at it before they go to college because they have the safety of parents at home. They have the home-cooked meals. They have the car rides with parents. Where if college is the first time they're trying to learn these skills, that's tough, like away from home, away from their original support circles. Oh. So we say the girls that have the chance to do that now are actually better prepared for college than the ones who never come off the court during their playing career. A hundred percent, because they've had more challenging circumstances. That makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> so they've had to figure out how they want to think about them to continue to find the success versus if it's all butterflies and rainbows up to the point that you get to something challenging, you're going to have to learn that. And if you don't know this process of great, if you've never experienced that before, it's going to it's going to send you for a loop. And that's something they have a hard time, but it's super valuable as they understand that their value to the team is not tied to their performance or not tied to the number of points they score. It's their role, their attitude, their work ethic, their support for their teammates. They lift those around them. And some of my favorite players I've ever coached are ones that their teammates celebrate their successes more than the teammates celebrate their own because they're just so excited about this teammate. Mm -hmm. And it's just, they lift those around them and that's something that I feel like can be shared, like the grit, say the grit, the how you think about things, the, the deciding of the situations. I feel like that has a big impact too in negativity spreads mm -hmm. quicker, quicker than positivity does, unfortunately. How do you help athletes not only deal with their own thoughts and feelings around that, but conversations on the team over it. if a teammate is venting about their feelings about a given situation how do you help them not let that kind of be a wave that washes over their training for that they've done that they just gotten a hold of controlling their own thoughts and understanding that's their feelings and that how do you help prepare them for those type of situations yeah that's a good question it's all just the different circumstances and and, and it's just empowering them with with the ability that they get to choose how they want to show up and they and they get to choose how they want to think about it. If it is a situation where negativity is spreading, then I guess I would just want to get, it'd be more of like a values question of who is it that you, when you said yes to this program or you said yes to playing college volleyball, who is it that you want to be as you are going through this process and the ups and the downs and what would your future self want you to do or say? And if you're, if, if they know this is who I want to be and this is who I've showed up and I've committed to, then that's the goal is staying committed to that person. So what are you going to have to do? What's the action you're going to have to take to stay committed to be that more positive team player or not get involved in team drama? What are you going to have to feel? Maybe that's Maybe you're going to have to feel bold and you're going to have to say, what? I don't agree with you. And, and you're going to have to be okay with expressing your opinion. Maybe you're going to have to bite your tongue and just listen, even though it, different situations call for different things. But what are you going to have to feel in order to show up that way? 
I actually worked with a college athlete where she was navigating some of this, but if it's a constant ongoing thing in the, if what's coming and there's me negativity after practice and I'm just going to not participate, what are you going to have to be thinking in order to allow yourself the ability to not participate? And I would argue that you're probably going to have to be thinking like, who do you want to be as an athlete? Who do you want to be a person on this team and holding that thought? So that then you can take the action that you need to in that kind of situation. And so I guess I would just want to ask them, like, who is it that you want to show up and be? Are you being true to that person? And if you're not, then that is also worth exploring too. Of Okay, so if you're participating in the negativity, what are you hoping that's providing you? Maybe you're hoping that it's providing you with acceptance. Maybe it's, maybe you're feeling frustrated too, but whatever it is that you're if you are participating in it, you're, you're trying to get a feeling. You're after a feeling there, which you can supply yourself with at any time. If you're not feeling accepted, then we can work on that and start to train your brain to think the thoughts that allow you to feel like an accepted member of the team or allows you to focus on the ways that you aren't accepted, even if that means you're not trash talking or participating in negative talk. But that that's something like, each situation is different. Like yeah. you said, there's not an exact one reply or one size fits all, except for when you can boil it down to the simplicity of which thoughts are facts, which are perceptions, and then recognize your thinking because then you control your feeling from your thinking. So it's, it is cool how like in each of the different scenarios, it can almost be enlightening to know that you're in control of you're feeling about things because you're in control of these different steps, these different tools. So that teammate negativity, okay, they're unhappy doesn't mean that I am. Mm -hmm. Like they're in a different situation than I am. And so that doesn't have to affect you. And it's you're in control of your thoughts. So it means you're in control of your feelings, which mm -hmm. is very empowering and yeah. enlightening yeah. to know these things. Yeah, exactly. And that's why we like, when I started learning about all this around a year ago, I was like, this would have been so helpful to know as an athlete. Like, how did I create the success and become a college coach and, and do some of the things I had done in life without knowing what now I consider to be the most basic thing that, I mean, I talk to my kids about this kind of stuff too, because it's just so empowering to, to know that you get to show up to life in the way that you want to, and nothing can actually change that. As little kids, we're taught from the ages of kindergarten, oh, you hurt so-and-so's feelings. And yes, you can say words that are unkind, but it's actually the fact that kid believed it about them that hurt their feelings. Because again, it's just a sentence. If it's, we could take one of my kids, for example, and maybe one of the little girls told my son that they didn't like his pants. He chose to believe that his pants were ugly and that's what hurt his feelings. She was just expressing an opinion about his pants, which she's allowed to have. But then as kids were taught, you told Bradley that you didn't like his pants and that hurt Bradley's feelings. So I think we've actually gotten it backwards so much, which is why like this rewiring, it takes a lot of practice. And it's why I work with a coach because I have things that are running in my mind all the time that I'm believing that I have to have somebody point out to me, no, actually... You you flipped that. That's not making you feel that way. It's the fact that you're thinking about it that's making you feel this way. So it's almost a, a rewiring that we have to do. But once you learn it, it's like super empowering. And it is so basic too. You, you mentioned your kids in their pants. It's like the same thing I just saw like the other day is one child crying because 
Why are you crying? He called me poopy. Are you poopy? No. That's why are you crying? <laughs> Just because he says it doesn't make it true. Exactly. But then the people in our life will be like, you hurt their feelings because you called them poopy. And I was talking to my friends about that. And they're like, so what are you saying? We can all just go through life and be rude to each other. And everybody's got to manage their minds around. No, but nobody wants that. But like you have the power to control how you want to feel about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So I have three, three things I want to attack here. The first one is you said the elevator a couple of times. So if you're on the elevator with someone, you've got about 30 seconds to tell them how can they be gritty. If you had 30 second pep talk with somebody, how could she simplify it and give them what they need to know in that 30, 30 second elevator ride before they get off and go be great? This is such a good exercise for me. I would say that grit has nothing to do with your circumstances or your goals. It has to do with how you're thinking about them. And that if you and if you can choose the right thoughts that help you reach your goals and choose the thoughts that lead you to be more perseverant than you're going to have a more fun, easier and better time as you achieve the goal. That's incredible. I like that question because I try to challenge myself with recruiting stuff too, is because I can talk for hours on so many different topics, but people don't want to listen for hours. So it's like, how can I simplify this message in 30 seconds? Yeah. Go. And so I'm being challenging myself to do these things. And you'll see some videos posted soon of me having fun with those messages. I love it. That's great. When you try to challenge yourself and learn and give yourself to fail of what did I miss? What, how am I getting the steps of the being the gritty, the controlling your thoughts, recognizing them and just be simplified because athletes aren't going to always have time when things are going bad. They, they have a 30 second time out. How can I right. recenter? How can I reset? And then go back and be effective on the next given play. Totally. And I've thought about that a lot too in terms of the processing emotions thing and taking the time to identify your feeling, especially in the sport of volleyball. It's next ball. If I was all, hold on, got to go process that failure. Just give me a few minutes. I'm going to lay down. I'm going to feel the failure, right? That's not available to us. And so we just we choose the next best thought, right? Which is, I've got this, which is great. And that shows the power in your thinking. But it makes sense to me why as athletes, we're not actually taking the time to develop that identifying your feeling and processing your feeling part of grit in daily life because we've just been taught next, next, that doesn't matter. Don't think about it. There's no time to process that. But, but I think where we get in trouble and maybe this is leading into the mental health conversation, but we're getting into trouble is when we start to carry that over into our daily life. And again, we're just stuffing or buffering the life coachy word for eating, drinking, doing things so that we don't have to feel our emotion. We're covering it with other things that make us feel good because we're not willing to sit down and actually process that emotion. And it makes sense to me why, if you're an athletic person like that, the concept of feeling your feelings, it's like, why would I want to do that? I'm just going to keep going. I'm just supposed to keep going. But a part of grit is getting real with your feelings and processing them so that, that they won't ruin you. They don't have the power to ruin you. And it, it's literally just, it's a bright vibration and sensation in your body that comes and goes and it doesn't mean anything about you. Yeah. Going back to your original definition of being resilient to your circumstances and it's a personality trait, being able to overcome your obstacles and distractions. And that's something where you talk about on the next play. And we try to identify like those gritty players, 
like what makes them gritty. The, your definition and how we've talked about things is they recognize they're thinking of they're not letting that negative play affect how they feel about themselves. Mm-hmm. They understand I shanked a pass. Yes. Okay, that's a point. Next play. So it's the gritty kind of comes out in players and they're not letting errors or team performance affect their feeling, their overall attitude, because they understand like those those plays are just facts. It doesn't make me not a great player. I still have opportunity because this next play, I can now return to my, you know, normal state. I have a fresh slate on every serve on every play to go be break and then change momentum on how things are going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the ability to be unaffected and show up anyway or to experience failure and choose to keep showing up anyways. And all that is, I would say, the grittiest athletes out there are just managing their minds really well around the things that are happening to them. Okay, so now what's a fun one? What's the best advice you've received or heard through either your college days or in your Uh, new world? I'll offer something new because the other most impactful thing for me was coming to the realization that life is 50-50. It's going to be 50% awesome and also 50% challenging no matter what I do or achieve. I think that a lot of times we think, oh, when I reach this next level, when I become a college athlete, when I get the starting position, when I get some more playing time or when I graduate, When I'm married, when I have kids, when I make a million dollars, we think that somehow it's going to change our or the percentage of our life that's challenging. And what's given me a lot of freedom is to know that no matter what I do or achieve, life is always going to be challenging. Millionaires have problems. Starters on the volleyball team have problems. College graduates have problems. Married people have problems. There's always going to be problems. There's always going to be challenges. And there's always going to be really awesome parts to those things that you achieve as well. And that it's not actually about getting to the next thing, that it's actually about who we become in the process of getting to the next thing, which is actually the reward. It's not that we're going to change our lives, makeup and circumstances and make it 100% better all the time. It's that we've become somebody who is better. And that that is the reward. It's not actually what we're after or what we think we're after. That's awesome. I absolutely love that. Like you just said, it's always 50% awesome, 50% challenging. And then as you grow and change, they're, they're just, it fills back in with the different levels of what it is. Yeah. So now opposite of best advice, what's the worst advice you've ever heard or received or even given? Oh, given. Gosh, worst advice. I think fake it to you make it is something that's like misunderstood a lot. I think that the intention behind it is good. And I know that I've said it and I've bought into that. But now it's interesting because if I'm going to fake the action, but I don't actually believe it's true for me, then that actually is going to do no good whatsoever. Because if I have that underlying elevator music that I'm not enough, I'm, it's not good enough. And I'm trying to cover that with the making it, the, the action, the achievement. It's never actually going to change those thoughts that are underlying underneath that. When I hear that, I'm like, I get it. But it also doesn't make any sense when you understand that that it's your thoughts that are going to create all the results in your life. It's not necessarily the action you're taking. Um, Because if if you don't deal with those thoughts and work to change them and work to create thoughts that are helping you attain what it is you're after, then it's going to be really hard to do that. And you're going to have to keep faking it. So you'll never actually make it. You'll just be faking it continually 
thus never creating happiness or getting you right. to that point where you make it. Yeah. And you're never allowing yourself to feel good along the way because you're a fake. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not part of me and I'm just doing these things and I don't really believe I am this person. Then th that feels really crappy. It doesn't feel authentic and genuine versus this is the thing I want. And I'm and in order to get this thing, I'm going to have to become somebody different. That's the beauty and goals. That's the funding mm -hmm. that they challenge us to become something better than ourselves. And that's what we should be focusing on, not like faking it until we get it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. who, who have I become along the way? Like how beautiful, how amazing. I'm going to count that as a win. I'm going to use that as my fuel to, to get the thing I want. And then that takes all joy out of the journey and the process too. <laughs> and says it's only ever about the destination. Right. And like you said, when I get here, that's right. when I'll be happy. Yeah. When I do this, that's when I'll get happy. And so it's you're spending all this time not being happy, not being involved with yourself and just allowing yourself to be that it's all about a destination and just eliminates all joy from the journey itself, yeah. which I think from college athletics and then really life and anything, it's you have to enjoy the journey. Yeah. And if you do that, you'll go farther because at some point, sometimes you never reach the destination and sometimes your destination changes. Yeah. So you have to enjoy the journey. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. It's not even about getting there. It's about who you're becoming as you're getting there. And that's where like the joy and the satisfaction comes. And if you're also only focused on the destination, then you're not even realizing like how you're growing and changing. So what mm -hmm. I do with my clients too, is we take the time to like count the wins. And yes, you want to be a college athlete. We're not there yet. But what if you had to do and overcome to be where you are right now in your recruiting process? And Wow, this is so amazing. You've challenged yourself. You went and played at a tournament in front of college coaches. You had a phone call with a college coach. That's scary. You did that. So it's like counting all those wins so that they can see, wow, even though I haven't gotten this thing yet, I'm on my way to it and I'm becoming someone who is going to get it. And so that's part of enjoying the journey too, is just like, what have I created as I've been trying to achieve this goal? And also, what did my failures create? Because failures always create things as well. And so if you can look at all the good things that failure produced, then now failing isn't as scary either. It's, oh, if I didn't fail, I wouldn't have learned all this. Therefore, like failure helps me. Yeah. And I read a book to my son tonight before bed. And it's, I, I absolutely love it. It's called The Magical Yet. It's a growth mindset book, but it talks about the things that he can't do yet mm -hmm. understanding that he's not as good as he will be and there's lots of things that he wants to do that he can't right and then understanding that it's not that he's not good enough it's he's just not good enough to do that yet yeah. so it's not yes or no it's not pass fail it's we'll get there we're I, on a journey but we're not there yet i love that i love that it's like what came up for you and you said that was if you're an athlete or a college coach and you're frustrated by something or you have that feeling and you're identifying with that feeling as being someone who you are, you could just change that feeling or uplevel that feeling by being like, today, I'm feeling frustrated today. That doesn't mean I'm going to continue to feel frustrated. That doesn't mean I'm going to continue to feel a failure. It's just how I'm feeling today. And just that little slight word change helps your brain to disassociate from it being a part of you. And it allows opportunity for you to feel something else tomorrow different. That's amazing. And You've shared so much insight and 
I have really enjoyed learning about how everything kind of ties together and can be also simplified down to things that you're in control of. Mm -hmm. And you can apply to so many different situations, not just athletics, but just by learning and recognizing your thinking, understanding which thoughts are facts, doing the thought downloads. Like I absolutely love getting that out and just getting them down. Say, all right, here, I had the thoughts and now I'm good to go. So thank you so much for sharing that. I love the grit, love the tools that you've provided. Okay, could you summarize the G-R-I-T for me just one more time? Get to know the facts of the circumstance, facts. the situation, but you want to know what the facts are. And then you want to realize what you're thinking. G, get to know the facts. R, realize what you're thinking. I is identifying how you're feeling. And then T is taking inventory of the action that feeling is creating. And then what's the result that you're left with from how you're thinking, feeling, and what you're doing. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for taking time tonight and giving us such great insight on all of this. I'm so happy. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Look, getting into college is stressful for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a student, a student athlete, or a parent trying to help navigate a landscape that has changed so much since you yourself went through this process. And whether you're getting your recruiter to play sports in college or not, Having someone walk you through the admissions process from start to finish is extremely important. I'm very excited to announce that we are forming a partnership with Your College Contact. Who is College Contact? Well, they are a technology platform that connects high school students with college undergraduates for more affordable and accessible college admission advising. Translation, your student gets to meet with a current college student at their favorite university. Once you set up an initial meeting with them, they will match your high schooler to a college student based on your preferences. This college student will mentor and advise your high schooler through the entire process. From forming a college list, to brainstorming and writing college essays, to applying for scholarships and financial aid. The best part? It's extremely affordable. And use our special discount code to receive 20% off all services. Just use the code TRIBE20, that's T-R-I-B-E-2-0, at checkout to receive the discount. For more information, check the link in the description below. Now, back to today's episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Down the Line. If you enjoyed today's show, we would greatly appreciate it if you could take a moment and leave us a rating and a review on your preferred listening platform. Your feedback helps us to continually make improvements to give you a better listening experience and allows us to bring some more impactful guests onto the show. Also, if you could share this episode with a friend or teammate who you think could benefit from the content we covered today, this helps us help you achieve your goal of playing volleyball in college. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with another episode soon. In the meantime, thank you for being a part of our tribe.